You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. The Vikings defensive icon, the Hall of Famer John Randall, part of the NFL Legends community. John, thanks for taking the time. How are you? Great. Thank you guys for having me. It is our pleasure. Want to talk about your career and what's keeping you busy in a minute, but let's start with the matchup coming up tomorrow because you played on some tremendous defenses in Minnesota. What stands out to you about this year's Vikings, D? As you know, they just held the Rams' outstanding offense to merely a touchdown on Sunday. You know what? Everybody has been talking about Everett Griffith, and I love Everett, uh, his, his uh, adrenaline, his, his uh, excitement out there, but the key to our defense, i got to say, is Linval Joseph. Uh, up the middle. He's the guy who stops the run because we all know if you can't stop the run, you can't rush the passers. So, you know, my hat's off to Limbaugh. Uh, I texted him the other day and told me he's doing a great job and to keep it up. John, Nick, Nick Ferguson here. You, you had to uh, the opportunity to plan with some great wide receivers in your days with the Minnesota Vikings, and we just finished talking and highlighting Adam Thielen. When you watch him play, who would you say in, in your day, whether it was a guy you played with or someone you played against, that his game kind of reminds you of? You know, he plays. He, he reminds me a little bit of Jake Reed, and where he's he's kind of like that guy that you kind of always since he's from a small school, you know, Mankato State, and uh, you kind of forget about it, and then uh, all of a sudden he makes that big play, and uh, all of a sudden you say to yourself. Why aren't we trying to stop him? And then all of a sudden, before you know it, when you are trying to stop him, it's too late. But, um, you know, he's a little bit like a Jake Reed to me, um, that guy, that, that deadly threat. But, you know, he's got uh, amazing speed. And, uh, you know, uh, my hat's off to him because he's myself coming from a small school. It's just amazing that what these guys from small schools can do once they're given a chance to play in the National Football League. John, I want to dissect those parallels because Thielen, as you know, undrafted was cut initially, played on the practice squad. Let's go through the foundation of your Hall of Fame career. You were undrafted coming out of Texas A&M, Kingsville, not exactly Alabama or Notre Dame. Early on, how much did the fact that you went undrafted motivate you when you made it to the NFL? Oh, that was a huge motivation because, uh, you know, in my heart, I thought that I, I deserve a chance to play or just a chance to just to go out there. I can remember... Uh, saying to myself uh, when I got a phone call from the Vikings talking about uh, coming to play for them, uh, I said to myself, if I didn't do it, I would regret it for the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, I, I, for, more, for most guys from small schools, you, you kind of fall in under the impression that since you are from a small school that you really don't belong in the National Football League. But then once you – if you do get in, you kind of – kind of falling at a category of that you won't be a starter because you're not from a big school. And it, it's kind of something that, for me, it just kind of uh, hovered around my head as if everywhere I went on the football field, I, feel, I felt as if I was still that Division two guy. And I took pleasure in it. And uh, when we got the draft picks coming in, the first round or the second round offensive lineman, my first question would ask, I would ask those guys, is, what school are you from? And once I figured that out, it was all of a sudden to show them what small schools could could do, and uh, it didn't matter if you're from a, a Division One or a Division Two school. It, once you get on that football field, it was an even playing field. John, the Minnesota Vikings are on a six-game uh, win streak, and you know just as well as anyone else 
players start feeling great about themselves. They start listening uh, to the radio stations as they pat them on the back. <laughs> you know, if you're Coach Zimmer, you know, what, what is it you have to do mentally to keep your team, you know, on track? Because they have some tough games coming up. You know, the game tomorrow against the Lions, then at the Falcons, then at the at the Carolina Panthers. So, so what does he have to do to keep his team mentally invested and trying to trying to stay and be the first team in the NFL to actually host and play in the Super Bowl? I think one first thing you have to do is tell the guys is forget about those last previous wins and say that they don't matter. It's all about who's up on who's our next opponent. Uh, Tony Dungy used to do something that was pretty cool for us when we ever got uh, when we had a bye week. Uh, during that bye week, he would put a reel up of all our best plays and tell us how great we were, and then all of a sudden take it off and throw a reel up of all of our bad plays and. That was a way to bring you up and all of a sudden bring you down. So one of the ways is always tell the guys, doesn't matter what we did yesterday or last week, it's all about the next opponent. I don't care if you were all, you made all, all uh, uh, defensive player of the week, defensive player of the month, it's about what's coming up next. And this game in Detroit, it's, a, it's always, for me, was a tough game because when you got 60-some guys on a road trip on Thanksgiving Day, going to Detroit, you know somebody is calling home that night before or that morning of Thanksgiving and asking them what they're cooking, who's <laughs> making this, what, who's coming over, and uh, always a question of, hey, make sure you guys save me some turkey. And I always thought these games were, were more stressful than the, the, than the regular Sunday game because you knew somebody's mind wasn't really 100% focused on that game and more concerned about the turkey or the sweet potato pies. You get me hungry, John, but we're going to wrap up the show first. <laughs> Chatting with the Hall of Famer John Randall, part of the NFL Legends community. John, your style of play was so intimidating. You were able to terrorize quarterbacks, and your face paint stood out as well. When did that first start? How did it all come together? Oh, my God. That was such a, uh, it's a long time ago, but it, it got started when, uh, you know, we got guys from, like, from Florida, uh, from Florida State and, uh, and and University of Florida, these guys come in with all these traditions. And we had a couple of guys who came in the locker room on game day with some face paint, and they were just kind of like they were doing it like the military with the little marks across their faces. And they told me you had to join. I had to join in, so I took some face paint and just kind of rubbed it underneath my eyes. And as I was looking at these guys doing this, they were kind of really getting animated with it, and. Uh, I started to just rub it underneath my eyes, and uh, it kind of morphed into what it was. But for me, being a superstitious guy that I that I am, I said to myself, if I got if I got two sacks doing that doing that stuff type of stunt, then if I rub more on my face, then I'm 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 surely guaranteed to get three <laughs> sacks in the game. So from that standpoint, I had to keep doing it. John, if you were uh, the owner or the GM for the Minnesota Vikings. And, of course, you've heard uh, the, the chatter, you know, Sam Bradford, his ongoing injuries, and this contract is going to be up. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater with a gruesome knee injury, he's returned to practice. And then you're watching Case Keenum pretty much rise from the ashes like a phoenix. But if you're making decisions for that organization moving forward, what, what two quarterbacks or quarterback would you have kind of to move forward with your team long term? Well, uh, as of right now, I know I'm not the, the owner or the GM or the GM of the team. So, but if I was, 
you know, I would look at it as Keenum has been, he's been in there. Uh, all the, all of the teammates have seen what he's been doing. And when you got a guy who's hot, you can't take him out. And that's, that's be one of the, I, I would think, one of the biggest mistakes to do. You can't just pull a guy out. It's almost like being in Las Vegas watching a guy playing, uh, playing the casinos, and all of a sudden he's winning. You can't just pull him up and tell him to, just to leave and put somebody else down there. So it, it, it goes back to uh, back in the day with Michael Jordan with, with hitting his three, same way. You don't just pull him out. You let him continue to play. Uh, so for me, as if I was the owner, I would let Keenum continue to play. There will be time for uh, for us to change quarterbacks in the in the future, but right now is not the time to do that, especially in such a big game and that in such an important game too. The Hall of Famer John Randall is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. John Randy Moss among the semifinalists for the Hall of Fame announced last night. Undeniably, he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer in my view. But I want to pose this question to you. If some voters apparently have issues with Terrell Owens based on off-the-field issues, how do you think they're going to view Randy Moss for famously saying, I play what I want to play, and the numbers occasionally reflecting that? Well, you know what? For, for, for the way Randy played and the way he changed the game, I think that's a part of about when the, uh, looking at when a person gets in the hall and you got to ask yourself, did Randy Moss change the game? And yes, he did. And for his style of play, People may say that, and he, his numbers may have some uh, uh, negativity on him, but overall, the guy played when he played the game, he definitely changed the game. I mean, you look when he was at Minnesota or when he was at New England, the guy was, was, a, was a player that you definitely said to yourself, how can we stop a slow Randy Moss down? But without a doubt, from, from playing with Randy, and from the time we played in the, against the Dallas Cowboys on the Thanksgiving Day, Randy Moss, to me, is one of the top receivers to ever played a game. And I definitely believe he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Well said, and I think he should go in with the first ballot distinction. John, as we wrap it up, it's always a highlight, a weekly moment that we savor on this program, chatting with a member of the NFL Legends community like yourself. What does being a part of that Legends family mean to you? Uh, man, one of the biggest things is the brotherhood. Uh, and that's that's a brotherhood of uh, when you uh, playing against somebody, but at the end of the game you shake hands, you hug each other, and being in the legend program, that allows me to continue this brotherhood with uh, all my uh, different opponents and guys I play with. Because one, the first thing I want to do is when I see a former teammate or a former player, is ask a guy how he's doing. And being a part of the legend program, it enables me to help my former teammates and my and my uh, just say my. Uh, former brothers who played in the National Football League to help those guys out in any way possible. And so the Legend program is doing that, and we're growing momentum, and I'm excited to be a part of it. John, it was great to see you at the Super Bowl the last two years. Look forward to catching up in person again in February in Minnesota. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hope you and your family have a tremendous Thanksgiving. Go Bikes! You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on Tune. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.